This message has been brought to you by Andrew Graves at Heart of the Father Ministry, Winter Haven. I don't know how all this is going to fit together tonight. I really have not had much time to prepare, and so I, I don't feel like there's much structure or order to what I have written down. Uh, but are you happy about that, Brandon? <laughs> you know, you've noticed Brandon's getting closer and closer to the front on a Wednesday night. So, uh, but it's not my structure anyway, right? I'm, uh, I guess I'm in the same place Erica is. Um, I'm trusting, uh, stepping out and just trusting that the Lord will will put this together and that the Father, I just pray that your spirit would speak to us tonight and that I would step into the flow of, of, of your river, Lord, your anointing. Father, I uh, know I can speak with Paul that I don't come in in powerful or persuasive words. Uh, Father, I pray tonight that there would be a demonstration of your power, Lord, and that we would hear your voice speaking to us. Lord, even in the midst of the weakness, Father, you promised that it's in our weakness that you would be strong. And so, Father, we just, we, we believe that and we trust you in that, Father, even tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read verses 23 to 28. We're going to be looking at verse 28 tonight, but I'm going to read 23 to 28. So we've got kind of the context again of what Paul's saying. We should all have it memorized by now, right? <laughs> and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. To me, this seems, uh, when we read it, to be so elementary that I think we perhaps... Um, particularly if we've been walking this journey for a long time. I mean, to me, it seems like not stealing would be an elementary thing, right? As far as uh, morality and character goes. But as often um, as we've looked at things in Scripture, it's not about the act itself. When we read that, we can get caught up. It's like the Ten Commandments. We can read the Ten Commandments as a set of rules, 
But it's not about those things specifically. There's, there's a, a reason why God is saying not to do those things. Okay? Um, I know I've, I've taught before on sin and how the Greek, the Greek word for sin is homatos, homatios, I think it is, which is a target. It means target. And so when we sin, um, it's, an, and it's an archery term for missing the target. Okay, so we focus, here's what we tend to do. When people sin, or when we talk about sin, we tend to talk about where the arrows miss the target. Because the target is God, right? The target is his nature. I mean, that's the reason the Ten Commandments are there. They're not arbitrary rules that God just made up. It's, his, it's who he is. It's his nature and his character. So when we sin, we're looking at where we miss the target. And sometimes when we talk about sin and we engage people in conversation, particularly when we're evangelizing, we tend to look at where they miss the target. And sometimes you have to do that, right? There's a reason why um, we need to reflect and, and, and acknowledge where we did something that was wrong. But it's impossible to do that without reflecting on what the target is, right? And sometimes I think we get so used to doing that that we, ref- we forget that we need to say this is what the target is and this is why it's good to try and hit the target. Because he's perfect, he's good, he's just, he's holy, he's loving, he's righteous, he's beautiful. All of these things. And so really, it's not about the things that we hit when we miss. It's about what we missed that's important. And we've really, I think, done a disservice when we really focus on someone's sin to the extent that we miss talking about what they missed. Okay, I mean, it seems a bit silly um, to be constantly focused on where you missed. Right, I can't imagine, we just had the Olympics, I can't imagine the archers in the Olympics, what would happen if they missed with one arrow and they constantly focused on where they missed. Right, the reason that they win a gold medal is because they're constantly focused on the target. And so when we talk about stealing, let's not focus on the issue of stealing, but rather what's behind that. It's why Paul is saying that. Again, the context here is a transformation, right? A renewal of the mind. And I know we had a a question uh, when we were talking about not lying, about a little lie. And, And I suppose the same question could be posed about stealing a little thing. But I don't think we have the, I don't think we have that luxury in Scripture. Because again, it's not about the, it's not about the thing. It's not about whether the thing is small or big. It's what's behind it and, and the motivation behind it that's really important. So I was thinking really uh, in the context of stealing, you know, one of the reasons why we steal. And there's, there's several scriptures that talk about being content. I mean, let's start off with 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. 
this one isn't really talking about being content so much as reflecting on what we have. Because if we're stealing, we're taking something that we want to keep. But 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, As his divine power has given to us all things, as his divine power has given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. We could spend weeks up here just reflecting on testimonies, on um, biographies of great men and women of the faith who have trusted God, who didn't have what they needed, stepped out in faith, and God provided. Because their understanding wasn't focused on the things themselves. So when they, like a George Muller, for instance, who set up these orphanages in England in the 1800s, and he and his wife had made a decision together that they would never ask God, I mean, they would never ask anybody else for their needs. They would never tell anybody what they needed. They would trust God. They would bring those needs to God, and they would trust him to supernaturally bring them in. And he did that over and over and over again. And here's that target thing again, right? Because their focus wasn't on their lack or their need. Their focus was on the one who could supply that lack or need. And even though the lack or their need was physical, the reality of the provision of that need was spiritual. Now, I think that takes some adjustment for some of us because sometimes I think we partition off our lives and we live the physical life here and our spiritual needs, we, we go to God. But sometimes I think it's difficult for us when there is a need to really transition from the spiritual area into the fact that, yes, God can provide that. And I don't, if, if he's calling me to do something, that's different. But when he's calling us to trust, it's difficult for us to connect those two things sometimes. I'm, I'm, I suspect partially that's because we're so in the world still. And the philosophies of the world still influence our thinking. And I think really this is what Paul's doing here. It's again why Paul's talking about the mind being renewed, right? When he's talking about lying here and we're talking about physical things, but he's saying the issue really what he's addressing is the renewing of the mind. So this is stepping into that place of, yes, having a need, but trusting God to fulfill it rather than reaching out and taking something ourselves, doing it in our own strength. Now, we talked about lying, how the root of lying was a lack of trust in God and us controlling the situation. And I would say the exact same things are going on when we talk about stealing. It's a lack of trust in God to provide. Now, obviously, there's greed there too. Because sometimes when people steal, 
It's not something they need. It's just greed. It's just something that their flesh desires. And again, Paul's dealing with this, right? This is an issue of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit or walking according to the lusts of the flesh. And sometimes I think we just need to take a, a, learn to take a moment in these moments to think through these things. Because I suspect when we lie and we, when we steal, when we go through with those things, it's because we haven't stopped to let our spirits inform our minds. Our flesh is in control. And we instantly want to uh, gratify the flesh. And we've got to learn to take a step back and allow the Spirit to start to bring these Scriptures to light. I mean, some of these things are really elementary, but Paul is writing these to the church in Ephesus. And you'd think if they're elementary by a certain, you know, by a certain uh, amount of time as mature believers, we would have got to the point... But again, it's like with lying. Sometimes I think it's been so ingrained in us and, in, and even in church that it's okay to do that. The ends justifies the means. And again, that's our futile thinking. I think it was just tonight, I think part of what I heard Erica worshiping was his ways or his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Okay, so when we lie and when we steal, again, we've elevated our thoughts. It's our imagination, right? It's our minds. We've let our minds, we've let our flesh inform our minds and let our minds run with that and imagine. And we imagine ourselves into situations. We, we manage to um, explain away why it's a good idea to do that. That's how we justify it. And Paul's talking here, um, again, let me go back to Ephesians. This creative aspect of the mind. I love the prophetic. Um, I, I wish I had more time to think about this and more time to, to um, prepare for this. Because I'm just thinking of the creative ways. I think Lisa's a great example of that in our community. Of um, having a need recognizing that it's outside of our physical ability to meet that need and creatively letting the Holy Spirit renew our minds. And when that happens, there's a creative renewal of the mind. We start to get in tune with God's higher ways. And then all of a sudden, supernatural things start to, to, to come about. Even if it's just prayer. I mean, I, I don't like to say even if it's just prayer. Because prayer is engaging in that. Prayer is engaging in this uh, creative renewing of the mind. Because we're engaging with the Spirit of God and the situation in the natural where our minds would run with how we feel and would run with the emotions. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. And now there's this creative aspect of the Holy Spirit that gives us new ways of thinking. And new ways of approaching problems. Because it's the power of God that we're connecting with. And it's his ways, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than ours. 
So he has given us everything. We read in Second Peter. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have a question? Well, yeah. Is it possible to? Is it possible to deal not only in the to steal? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And again, I was thinking of that, and I was thinking of all these different aspects of stealing. I mean, you can steal a good person's name. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of ways of stealing, okay? I, I know some of us, when I say that, I know where our minds are going. And I'm not necessarily thinking that. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm, it, it, there are, there's, that's happened multiple times in, in the history of the church. Yeah. He's saying if you have a business, you can steal from yourself. You can steal from Uncle Sam. Some of those, are, those are, are, I guess, are more physical ways of stealing. They're, actual, they're actually stealing um, money. But um, you, can, you can steal someone's joy. Yeah, you can steal someone's love. Yeah, so, so absolutely, there's, uh, there's the physical spiritual, and there's emotional. I mean, there's, there's many aspects to stealing because we are not limited to living in a physical world only. He has created us as spiritual beings. And so everything, you know, I think everything we do relates to every aspect of our being. And again, if we, if we don't think, if we only think in, physical, in the physical sense, again, we're, we've compartmentalized spirituality and we've compartmentalized the physical life. And they're, they're interconnected. You can't separate them and compartmentalize them. <laughs> hey, go ahead. straight from stealing to rotten talk, what's coming out of your mouth. And the whole ter- context of that in the next verse is that you're not giving to someone. It's like you're taking from them. Your words are supposed to give, give grace is what it says in my. So, I mean, like, even in terms of the stealing, it's like we steal with what we say. Yeah, so... This is the issue when we go through, even going through, this is like three years, right, going through this. And this is the issue because even going through it three years, going through it this slow and going this deep with it, um, we can still see that in that verse and it's, it's interconnected. So this stealing is connected to lying, but it's also connected to the next verse as well, which, you know, again, I, I haven't. I've seen that, but I hadn't gone there yet. That's going to be next week, and so we can get into that deeper. But, but it's, it's important in the light of what Lally was saying that we connect it with that, because absolutely that's where Paul's going. In fact, there's a direct connection there. He makes a direct connection between stealing and speaking. So this is... It's powerful, and I think, again, you can see how we can have a very simplistic idea of stealing. 
And, and it's easy to look to, to overlook this and say, okay, yeah, I know what stealing is. And in our flesh, like, okay, I get that. And just breeze on right past it. First Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Now godliness, and remember we just read that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And Paul says in Timothy 1, 6, verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. And so here's the issue, I think, or one of the issues uh, when we steal. It shows a lack, not only a lack of trust in God, but a lack of contentment. And I was thinking about this, even as I was stepping up or sat there right at the end of worship before I was stepping up. And I was thinking that it's one of the things I appreciate about Annette is that there's no desire for things. Like there's contentment in people. There's contentment in, in what she has. There's nothing in her that's, um, that's reaching out for things and stuff. That contentment is in, incredibly important. I mean, if, if you're absolutely content with what you've got, there's no desire to steal. And that goes back to what we're saying, not just about stuff, but what you're saying, Lally, spiritually. And what you're bringing up about speaking about people. If we are content in him, then we don't need to feel the need to steal love from someone or steal someone else's joy because we're content with our own joy and our own love that we get from him. And in fact, it's not only about that. Let me see. Let me look back to Ephesians. But in fact, here in verse 28, you see it's actually the opposite because he says, let him, who steal, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So this is where the contentment comes in because the whole purpose here, and I think the essence of Christianity is not grabbing and getting and holding on, it's giving. And so again, put that in the context of that verse that's talking about, in the next verse, it's talking about let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But it, Paul doesn't leave it there. Remember, Paul's like, he shows the negative and then he says the positive. But what is good for necessary edification. So again, it's not about taking and stealing, but about having and giving. And you, can't, you have to be absolutely content with God. We have to know who God is and that everything he is is good and everything he is, he's given to us. And there's absolutely no need for us 
to, be, to have to find anything in anybody else. And so I've had it, I mean, I've had it with uh, just something very simple, like some students who come into the library. And so you've got students who need um, help, and, and there's just a genuine need for help there. But then you've always got the one or two that come in, and it's more than, more about, more than just about getting help. They are drawing on you all the time because they're, they're stealing something from you. Like they're, they're so needy. And they're just constantly pulling on you. And there's things that they could do, but rather than do that, they're going to take your time and have you do it because there's something there that's just trying to, to pull out of you and, 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 and take from you. Mm-hmm. And so there's spiritual wisdom here, right? Because there is a giving out where there's a need. But then there's an understanding where it, it's an unhealthy need. And at that point, yes, there's, there's help they need, but the help they're trying to get from me is not the help they really need. What they really need is to know who Jesus is. So that there's security in there and contentment and peace. Sorry. Well, what did Jesus do when they wouldn't receive things? I mean, I, I don't know. We read many times where um, he either spoke to them and when they didn't receive it, he let them go and he didn't chase after them. Um, he spoke in parables because there was those that couldn't receive it, and he, and he purposely spoke in parables because they weren't ready. He, he spoke in parables so that those that were hungry would come to him. So that at some point, there has to be a hunger, and you're casting your bread upon the water if they're not ready to receive it. And so, again, this is like spiritual discernment that's needed in this. I, I feel um, blessed because I really feel like I learned this early in, in, in my mid-twenties when I was working in a supermarket in England, and I, I would witness to anybody I, I could. Uh, I, I wasn't going around bashing people, but every situation seemed to open up an opportunity to speak about Jesus. But I very quickly learned where they were closed off, and my world, words were just bouncing off them. And I thought, I'm just wasting this here. And then there were other times when people were so open I just kept going, and it's just like the Holy Spirit was really there. You could tell the words were not just being heard here, but there was, their hearts were open. So some of that, I think, is experience. Um, you know, you, you recognize when that happens, and, and you learn when to stop, and you learn when to not stop. Um, but again, it's, this, is, it's, this is the Holy Spirit, right? This is why it's the Word and the Spirit, because you can have the Word, and you can know what the knowledge is that you need, but you've got to be led by the Spirit. Yes, Lolly. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, so it's been a rough four weeks for me personally, um, and I have not been happy this last four weeks. I mean, there's been times when I have and I can laugh, but I've been absolutely content in who he is. I mean, that, that, that has not been shaken. 
And that's why I'm not a nervous wreck and I'm not taking medication. I've got stuff written down here, but I don't feel like I'm... There's there's some of this I just don't feel like that's the direction we need to go. So I'm I'm just going to... There may be moments here where I just pause and allow the Holy Spirit to to tell me, no, we don't need that, or yeah, that's that's the place to go, so... So... Paul talked there about um, not stealing, but rather working with your hands to provide what is needed. And so, again, the emphasis is here is on not getting for oneself and not focusing on one's own needs, but rather being so Christ-centered that we are constantly aware of meeting other people's needs, not our own. And I think when you look at Paul and you look at, again, great men and women of the faith that, you know, as I, I've read lots of biographies and, and you know, this is something I see over and over again that um, to the point where their own needs are, are some, oftentimes unmet um, because they have this, the, the concept is not, it's not self-centered. It's Christ-centered and, and though, because it's Christ-centered, it sees other people. And it sees, and this is the difficult part for us as human beings, right? Because this is where it puts other people first. And when we steal, what we're doing is putting our own needs first. Um, obviously, because we're taking from somebody else. And that, when you're talking about our own needs, that comes right back to way beyond the physical and just taking money from someone. Right? When we don't focus on other people's needs, we focus on our needs, then we're, then we're liable to steal anything to meet that need. So Acts chapter 20, 34 to 35, this is Paul. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way So this is great because Paul's showing here, he's writing here. It's not just Paul writing letters because he understood things theologically. Paul is also writing out of experience. So he's not writing things that he has not learned himself and is not doing himself. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. By the way, in your Bibles, for those of you who had the words of Jesus in red, is that in red? Acts Acts chapter 21, sorry, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verses 34 and 35. Sorry? It's in red, right? When it's in red, uh, why are they putting it in red? 
Okay, so where's that quoted from? Right, but where, in the, where else in the New Testament is that quoted from? That's a great answer, Brand. I'll tell you why in a second. Where else in the New Testament is that? It's, it's great having Brandon here. I love it. <laughs> where, where's, does it say where that's quoted from in the New Testament? Because normally when it says this is what Jesus said, right, we can go back and see where he said it in the Gospels, right? Well, have a look there in Romans 15. If that's what it's saying, look there. But it's just saying there's a similar context there. When you go to Romans 15, there's, there's no words of Jesus there. And again, it's Paul writing in Romans. So it's, it's interesting because one commentator actually said Paul got carried away there and said something Jesus didn't say. But like, like Jesus only said the things we have in the Gospels. And we know that's not true because the end of the Gospel of John John says there are many more things Jesus said and did that are not recorded here. Okay, so this is the Holy Spirit supernaturally. Uh, either it's, a, let me correct that, either it's the Holy Spirit supernaturally saying this to Paul, or you have to understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at the time that Paul was writing, had not, was, either hadn't been written or was in the process of being written, but it certainly wasn't being communicated like we have it today. So when Paul was writing, it was oral tradition. Everything that Jesus said, people had amazing memories back then. They had, because that's the way they had to. They couldn't afford books. So when someone said something to them, they were already trained, particularly in the Hebrew tradition, they were already trained to memorize that word for word. No. No. Well, he was alive. He was alive, but he wasn't with Jesus. In fact, he had, he, we, the first thing we hear about Paul was he was persecuting Christians. So he was alive, and he'd been raised in the Jewish tradition, uh, but he would have been in opposition to Jesus. And I, I suspect from what I'm reading, but this is just me and my reading, is that um, I don't know that he'd necessarily seen Jesus um, personally, I don't know. But, yeah. But either way, this, this, these are the words that Jesus said. Okay, I was just kind of giving you some background there as to um, that we, these are not the only, the words that are recorded here in our New Testament are not the only words Jesus said. And that it is an oral tradition then. So I think that's important for us to understand that. And rather than, you know, some people, even, even learned academic people that come up with statements like that, which to me um, have not really been thought through. But anyway, Jesus says it's, blessed, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So again, when someone is ever tempted, and he's, again, he's talking to believers here, okay, so when you're tempted, when you, you're, there's a need, and not just a physical need, again, emotional, when you're, and this is great for this week, and those of you that are hearing me uh, and don't know what I mean, that's fine. Those that do know what I mean, pay attention. But this is great for this week because we don't need to steal. We can be content 
And in fact, we should be giving out words that edify if we give out words. So let's not be of those who steal. So obviously, do not steal is one of the Ten Commandments, okay? I think we probably all knew that, right? One of the Ten Commandments. It occurs three times um, in the Old Testament, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And I think all three of those, two of them very directly. Uh, one of them is the, the first account in Exodus of God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. And then um, I think it's Deuteronomy yeah, Deuteronomy is kind of Moses retelling that, so it's the same thing. And then Leviticus is kind of a commentary on it. But there's three times it says, do not steal. And again, the reason for that, God is giving that as a testimony to his character. God does not steal. God is absolutely perfectly content with who he is. God has absolutely no need to steal from anyone else. In fact, uh, he created everything. Everything came out of him. And so, again, you know, we just have to take a step back and think, okay, this is God. Who is God? I mean, if we're tempted to take something that's not ours, whatever that is, I think we need to take a step back and, again, look at what the target really is. Right? I, I really think we need to do that when, you know, I, I think that's a great thing to teach kids. You know, if they're tempted to take something that's not theirs, take a step back and ask, okay, what's the target in life? It's the nature and the character of God. And so if you take, you're taking from something that's not God. And you only ever want to take from God, right? So, and then I'm thinking, uh, I, I, my mind went to... Uh, well, it's not that my mind went there. I'm always linked to um, Joshua, the book of Joshua, because these two, we've, we've looked at this a number of times, how Joshua's parallel with Ephesians. And so they're getting ready to go into the land, and they cross the Jordan. They take Jericho supernaturally, take Jericho. And then the next city is Ai, and we've talked about this before. But they don't seek God's counsel. They get carried away with their success at Jericho. And they don't take God's counsel on AI. And this is what happens when we steal as we lose sight of the target. We lose sight of who God is and we're focused on what we want. So remember that, okay? As, we, as, I, as I get a little bit further into the story of Ai, remember that, okay? The people of Israel, the children of Israel, the children of Israel lost sight of the target, that is God, and were focused on the city of Ai, taking something. So what happened at Ai? When they went to fight Ai, they got routed. And they came back with their tails between their legs. Um, they, they, there was a number of people killed. I mean, it wasn't thousands, but still, 
um, there was a number of people got killed and they were distraught because all of a sudden it's like God wasn't with us. What happened? And so Joshua goes to seek in the Lord and, and God reveals to, to um, Joshua that somebody had taken some of the things at Jericho that God had told them not to touch. And Achan had taken some of those things. And when we looked at this before, one of the things we said was, one person's sin will affect the whole community. You cannot do something and think that it is only going to affect you, good or bad. Right? This is, this is why it's so good to focus on God and, and all of his nature and character, like Paul's taking us through here. Yes, he gives us a negative, but then he gives us a positive. So he says, don't lie, but speak truth to each other. Because there's good and positive things come out of that. So, you know, if I'm speaking good to Ray and just exhorting Ray and comforting Ray and speaking life into Ray, that actually is more than just me doing that with Ray. The whole community is going to benefit from that. And so Achan stole. They found out that he'd stolen. But that was what had been the problem. Now, think back to what I just said a few minutes ago. Because we look at Achan. I'd never seen this before. But we look at Achan and we think, oh, that was Achan's fault and it affected the whole community. But actually, the whole community had had that attitude of focusing on the wrong target and taking something that God hadn't showed them, at least hadn't shown them how to take. And maybe, just maybe, that had influenced Achan a little bit. I don't know. But this idea of what one person does affecting the others, I saw tonight and I'd never seen it before. Leviticus 19, and I'm going to kind of just wrap things up around this, I think. I don't have the right verse. Give me a sec. Leviticus 
Okay. Then maybe this is what happens when you don't have enough time to prepare. So let's, let's, there's Deuteronomy. Let's try Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5.19. Nope. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm not seeing it there. And so I'm just going to share with you what I saw. And I'm going to have to look it up and find out where the reference was. But when Moses was talking about these things, about not stealing to the children of Israel, um, it talked about how he had, he was talking about how he'd met, you know, when he, when he got the Ten Commandments, he met God face to face, right? And we read that in Scripture. But in the verse that I was looking at, it said, he was, this is Moses that's recording these words. And he was talking about Israel, and he said, when you met God face to face, and he gave you the commandments. And I thought that was fascinating, because we know it was Moses. We know everybody did not go up the mountain. In fact, they were not supposed to. And yet, when Moses went up there, and he recorded that he'd gone up there, he recorded that you met with the children of Israel. Like, God was meeting with them face to face. And so there's, again, another instance where what we do as leaders, we do, we, we're really drawing the whole body into that. And I was thinking about this in the context of some things that have been going on. I was thinking about, for instance, I was thinking about when somebody is rightly accused of doing something wrong. And I was thinking like somebody like a Jimmy Swaggart, who back in the 80s um, got put in, uh, was it, or, or um, Jim Backer. I mean, he definitely got put in prison because he mismanaged uh, money and there was prostitution involved in there as well. Again, And I think he got put in prison. Okay, but that affected the whole body. I mean, if you're old enough to remember that, you'll remember the influence that that had. And it wasn't just him because there was a progression of failures at that time amongst leadership. And the thing was, it didn't just impact them. It had a huge knock-on effect in the body. But also, the opposite is true. When you falsely accuse somebody who's a leader, then what you're doing is sowing dissension amongst the body. You're not just speaking to that person because we're all interconnected. So, to, again, to bring it back to stealing, you know, um, these are, this is where it goes a lot deeper than just do not steal and looking at that and thinking, oh, yeah, we got that. There's a lot more depth to this, and it has a lot more um, implications in our lives. And we have to, I think this is why I love the way that Jesus responds to people in the Gospels. Because they ask him a question, and he always seems to ask them either a different question or give them an answer that doesn't seem related at all. And the reason he does that is because I think oftentimes when people asked him the question, they thought they already had the answer. They just wanted him to confirm that they knew what the answer was. And Jesus says, uh-uh, you don't really understand. In fact, you don't even understand the question you're asking. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you another question that really asks the question you should be asking. And so Jesus will do this. And when we approach Scripture, if we'll approach it honestly and spend time in it, 
it's going to take us a lot deeper than just the surface, what we get from a surface reading. And that's true with this. You shall not steal has much broader implications than us just seeing something we want and taking it. Even a little thing. And by the way, little things always lead to bigger things. Once you, once you have justified that, then you go to the next step and justify it at the next level. And before you know it, um, you're in way deeper in that thing than you realized you would ever go. And that's not just about stealing money. That, that's all the different areas we talked about stealing tonight. Um, so we've focused on that. Let's go back to just finish up in Ephesians here. I really love the interaction too. I really feel like, you know, when I look back and read the Gospels, I feel like this is what happened when Jesus was teaching. You know, it wasn't just that people were, uh, were kind of um, interrupting with their own agenda. I mean, sometimes that happened with the question. Um, but there were also always people there that asked genuine questions too, and there was this interaction. Jesus was going somewhere, and somebody would ask a question, and Jesus would take that question and, and bring it into the flow of what he was thinking, but also answer their question. But it would take them way deeper again than, than they had ever imagined that he would take them. But we've really dealt with kind of missing the, the, the target uh, a little more tonight. I know I talked about being focused on the target um, so let's just, let me read that verse again and, and finish with our emphasis on this, the last part of that verse. Let him who steal no, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So there is the emphasis of our life. It's focused on the need of others and not on getting ourselves. And if we find ourselves being tempted to steal, whatever that is, joy, love, money, um, goods. Um, the, ultimately, there's a, there's a number of things going on. Lack of trust in God. A lack of focus on other people and focusing on our own problems, which really reflects that we're not satisfied or content in Him. And so if we find ourselves doing this, that's why we need to take a step back, think about what target we're shooting at, reflect and focus on him, refocus on him, and allow ourselves to start to, to take that and start to, to transition that area into other people and how we can meet. Instead of, really that's what we need to do, right? It's, it's like taking, okay, what is this detracting me from? What is this distracting me from? What is this? This, Because that's the enemy's purpose and plan, right? With all of these things, it's to distract you and take you in the opposite direction. So I think anytime you're struggling with these things, you should encourage yourself by taking a step back, reflecting on who God is and the target and saying, okay, what is the real thing that's going on here? And how do I take that and start to focus that on other people? instead of focusing on getting something myself. And I think if we were able to do that, and this is part of the, that process that I've just described there, that's just a small part of Paul, what Paul's talking about in terms of our minds being renewed. It's allowing ourselves to think and start to think creatively. Right? Not allow our flesh to dictate our thoughts. 
but take a step back, allow the Spirit of God to come in, redirect our thinking, renew our thinking. Our thinking then is then creatively released in a different area. And then we can engage with the Spirit of God in that too. That's where prayer comes in. But again, another reminder here, this is not life lived on your own. And I think a lot of times the reason people struggle to actually do what I've just described is because you're struggling on your own and sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes the flesh is overwhelming. Sometimes our paths are overwhelming. Sometimes being isolated on our own is overwhelming. And this is where the body should come in. We should be able to encourage people. Like we should be able to see these things going on and get alongside people and say, hey, no, you need to take a step back. You need to focus on who God is. You need to ask, okay, how can I meet the needs of other people? I've had this, I'll finish with this example. I've, I had a period back when I was in England of where I was dealing with, um, not depression. I don't think I've ever really dealt with depression. Not the way some people really do. I mean, it's really debilitating. But I dealt with it to a degree that I was melancholic and, and, and sad and couldn't understand why. And I had a phone call from, actually, this lady was the, my parents' bridesmaid at their wedding. And so she was 18 years older than me. But um, we, we kept in contact. In fact, when we go back to England, we, we normally stay with her um, for, for part of that time. But she called me that particular night, and she was dealing with something and wanted me to talk to her and pray with her about this thing. And after I got off the phone with her, I realized that everything I was dealing with had gone. And I didn't even know when it went. I didn't even recognize it until I got off the phone. And I thought, hey, I feel joy. Right? And that's exactly what we're talking about here tonight. And I could have, I could have told, she could have gone on the phone to me, and I could have started telling her how I felt and stealing from her. But that phone call, because I was engaged with God, as soon as she called, it took my mind off my problem, focused it on him, and my mind started creatively thinking, okay, how can I respond? How can I pray into that situation? And when I got off the phone, I, I felt the joy of the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Your, your word is powerful, Lord. There's a power that's released in these words, Lord. It's not the, the letters on the page. Lord, when you wrote these letters through your servant Paul, you were writing spiritual truths that came right from your nature, your character, and your heart. And the reason you wrote those words is so that in reading those words and receiving them, we might be brought into that place with you of knowing you and understanding how we can live our lives so that your nature and your character is, is expressed through us, so that we can be renewed in your likeness. So, Father, I just pray that the, the words that have been released tonight, Father, I thank you for the engagement, Lord. I thank you for the, the, the questions that you've prompted from people. I thank you for that tonight, Lord. And I pray that these words would continue to minister to us. And that more than that, Father, I pray as we step into the day, Lord, this will challenge and change the way that we approach life and would enable and empower us to meet the needs of other people. 
Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message has been a blessing to you. Our sermons can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. To contact us or find other resources, go to www.hotfmwinterhaven.com.